This is Akafe. Laura Marie and Jessica Marie proudly present A Court of Fandoms and Exploration, a podcast. Fair warning, everything the hosts say is explicit, full of spoilers and adult content and shall not be used against them. They have opinions. Let's try not to drag anyone for expressing themselves and just have fun for an hour. We all deserve it. There are no spoilers in this episode outside of the Folk of the Air series. However, there are topics surrounding sex, violence, and substance abuse. everybody, and welcome to A Court of Fandoms and Exploration, your weekly deep dive into the YA literature and fandoms that we love. I'm Laura Marie. And I'm Jessica Marie. And today we are discussing The Queen of Nothing and How the King of Elfheim Learned to Hate Stories. That is quite a title. Books three and four from Holly Black in the Folk of the Air series. Whew, that's a whole mouthful. It's a lot. The abbreviations for... How the King of Elfame Learned to Hate Stories is really intense, and I didn't know what it meant when it was first coming out on social media. I was like, what is this? But then I figured it out. I felt better. Now it makes so much sense why everybody just uses the first letter of the title as opposed to writing the whole thing out. And I mean, there's really no other way to abbreviate it except when, you know, when you see people just reference it as like, learn to hate stories or, you know, just the beginning of the title. I, I, we use it in like, gaga fandom all the time because she's been around like born this way just had its 10-year anniversary and then when you think okay if that was born this way like just dance has been around way longer so everything just gets abbreviated over time and and i'm sure like it's like we're not the only fandom that does that i know other fandoms do so and i'm definitely learning that through book talk or like when i'm having conversations with other people i go wait soon everybody just speaks in acronyms and I kind of love it. It's a secret code because every time somebody just stumbles upon something, you're like, huh? But I remember that. I was always, you know, even with From Blood and Ash, what's F-B-A-A? I'm excited. I like it. It's a secret language that only everybody else gets. So it's a fandom thing. (laughs) It is. It is absolutely a fandom thing. And this book, How, How the King how the king uh is kind of for the fandom you can't read it without reading the other three books in the folk of the air series and it gives you a lot of background from Cardin's perspective on some of the events that happened that we may have heard of just in passing in the other books or his um like reasoning behind things and i really like that i also cannot stop picturing Cardin in like skinny jeans and boots and like an oversized hoodie yeah. just like just at the gas station I, I love it I love it so much I like when he's like because I wrote this down because might you have might you have some means by which I can navigate your lands and all I could think of was problematic Chris Pratt and onward where he's like join my steed and it's his van like I just but he's, but I can only imagine the emo boy, which is Cardin Greenbrier. And it's like, I mean, if, if Jude took him to the mall, he was walking into old school hot topic. Not a No question. No question. <laughs> Remember our, one of our favorite fan arts is the one of Cardin and Jude walking out of Sephora. And Cardin's carrying all the Sephora bags. Uh, I love it. I also love the one where Jude is putting 
eyeliner on Cardin and she's using a, uh, her dagger to get like a perfect wing mm-hmm. on Cardin. And I love that too, because it's just so them. I really enjoyed this reread of Queen of Nothing because I picked up on that more just because the fan art that's out there, you know, and I love, you know, like the the smear of the gold, even when she gets out of her coma from almost her father almost killing her. She smacks him and she has like gold on her. (laughs) I'm just imagining like the copious amounts of highlighter on. (laughs) What's even better is. He either does it himself or he has a servant do it for him. So it's either the delightful image of him just like slathering on highlighter and eyeliner or sitting very still while somebody else does it for him. And either way is just so wonderful. I just love him (laughs) so much. Um, Let's let's start with Queen of Nothing. Uh, I have some high points written down and I just has this is her second time through. uh, I don't have siblings. I'm just going to put that out there. I don't have siblings, but I do have friends that only contact me when they need something. So that's what really gets me fired up about Taryn coming back in to the mortal world, pregnant as fuck, begging for Jude to come save her ass because it has been months, right? And Taryn didn't need anything. She was fine. Suddenly, she murders her husband and is knocked up and needs Jude's help. And wha-bam, there she is. And Jude knows it, too, at this point. She knows that Taryn is shitty. And we should also preface this, that we haven't read that extra novella that has Taryn in it. I don't want to. It's just like if if Sarah wrote a novella about Tamlin, I wouldn't read it. I Unless I found a spoiler that you told me that Reese is in it has has a prevalent role or somebody that I, I like has a prevalent role. And even then I'd probably just be like, okay, what's the Tumblr spoilers? Like I don't I don't need it. Um but Taryn is shitty and even and because she needs something, there's the part where Jude is undressing, she got stabbed or whatever by Grandma Mog. Um I call her grandma, even though I know it's Grimma, but I call her Grandma Mog. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's Taryn's all of a sudden doting on her. Oh, let me help you with that. Let me help you undress. And Jude's like, I know that we're twins and we've definitely seen each other without our clothes on, but it's a little much. And I, I just, Taryn's a shitty sister. And it's just something that is a, a reoccurring theme in, you see in a lot of YA and fantasy and just like, just, I, I miss the positive sibling dynamics um, because I don't have a, a great sibling dynamic in my own life. And I and I have two brothers and a sister. Um, and then I have cousins I'm close with that we basically say, like, we're each other's siblings, too. So it's it's funny that you do say that because just like you have friends who reach out when they need something. Like, there was a point in my life where my brother, like, hey, hey, big sis. Um, and my my response started to just be like, well, what do you need? I'm not gonna, I'm not going to entertain this idea. You want something. Let's, let's look beyond that. And we're making small strides, you know, to improve the relationship, however that might be. But there, you don't even see that even at the end of this book, you don't see that. If it was just like, what, what are those, those, um, murder mysteries where it's like, uh, murder suicide? If, if, Taryn and Locke were a murder-suicide thing, I would have been like, okay, next, and let's keep going. 
the thing, the thing, well, I, I guess there's several things, but one of the things that I do find interesting about Taryn that is not brought up or like addressed at all is that she eats the fairy fruit like on the reg. When Jude, oh. when Jude is Taryn and she goes to, to Locke's house and she's like, no, I'll take a tray of dinner like in my room or whatever. Jude's basically like, the fuck is this? Like, is Taryn just eating the fairy fruit all the time? I'm sure she is. And I mean, where as um, Jude was building up a tolerance for it, I don't feel like that's what happened with Taryn. And I think a lot of Taryn Taryn's um, experience post marrying Locke was she needed to be in like this non lucid state, if you will, because you talk you like she, she was from the very beginning. It was all about appeasing him and making sure he was happy, and if that's what real love is, and fairy love is different than human love, and there were the orgies and the just you know. To each their own. I'm not judging for that. But if that's the type of person and that's what you want out of life. But it's clearly not what Taryn wanted. And in that regards, I do feel a little bad. But that's also the choice that she made. You made your bed. Now lay in it. I do like that Taryn murdered Locke. I I like that a lot. Oh, yeah. I love that it was like in... um. A crime of passion. Yeah. Like, it wasn't premeditated. She was just so fucking worked up. Like, in Chicago, where the girl, like, villains row or murders row. You're like, it just got swept up in it. And I like it. I like it. And she says, I just wanted him to stop talking. That's all I needed. And I I was, I was like, same. I understand wanting to stab men to get them to stop talking. Like, just shut up. For real. And then I also like how Jude kind of reflects on that. She's like, wow, I guess we, you know, we who were raised in a house of murder use it to solve our problems. And maybe we are a little bit more similar to each other than Jude had thought before. So I like that. I also, you say, you bring that point up, which I like because I think out of everybody, out of, especially out of all the sisters, um, including Vivi, because as much, because, you know, she is half, she's half human. She's half, you know, half they, half human because of her mom. Um, Wait, no, no, Vivi, Vivi? Vivi? Oh, cause her mom, yeah, Vivi is, Vivi? Okay? No. Oh, half this human. Is, this her is mom. a good question. I don't think so. Cause she's immortal. They say that over and over again. But I, I don't think Vivi's... Ma- oh, maybe they went to the... Did they go to the mortal world because the dad is mortal and the mom didn't want... Yeah, you're right. So Vivi's full. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Vi- yeah, Vivi's full. She's got magic. She's got the ear points. She's okay. immortal. Oh, full ear points too. Not like a Bryce situation. Yeah, and she's got the eyes. And Maddox okay. says that she's her... He, she is his true... Tr- his legitimate daughter. Heir, so yeah. Says, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I digress because that really has no contribution to this, <laughs> what I was going to say. But in regards to the sisters, Jude is the most aware of her surroundings. She understands not only what, what it means to be human. She talks about like how being human makes her feel powerless. She, you continue to hear that even in, 
with how the king um cardin's like she's she she's constantly trying to prove herself and she doesn't have to anymore and but she doesn't know that because this is how she was raised and for jude to even you know understanding the environment in which they grew up with for her to realize okay like this makes sense why we i can see why we are the way we are to an extent um and I feel like that's, you know, continuous conversation that we have, understanding like your environment, your surroundings, um, sharing DNA and how everybody processes things differently and how people can come out so different, too. I know that's been like an ongoing conversation we've had through um, some of the books and discussions we've been having over the last few weeks. That's a good point, because it reminds me of the conversation that Jude has with Van Morin the old king's seneschal, and she's like, who's also human. She's like, yo, you have never helped us ever about anything. You know, we're the same. And he's like, hold up, take a step back. We are not the same. When I got to fairy, this is Van Morin speaking, I was fully grown. So, and then he does the thing where like, um, you know, a goblin's, you know, a seed planted in goblin soil will turn out differently than anything else. And he's saying that like Jude was raised here. She was so young when she came over. She was raised in fairy. So she is completely different than Van Morin, who was, you know, older when he got here, which is interesting because Jude always says like, you know, I'm human. I'm a different species. The folk are different from me. But then Van Morin is saying like, you are a different species from me, which yes. He's not wrong. It's, you know, the, even from like a very simple somebody who is Amer- like, and, and, and let me use this example. You have you and Sam who are adults who are transplanted in Germany and you are assimilating part of the German culture. You as humans, Americans, quote unquote, in Germany is much different than an American child who is brought up in Germany. You're both human, you're both Americans, blah, blah, blah. But who you are, you are not the same. Definitely. And I see that in um, the some of the kids that we see on base and stuff. Of course, right. they're, they're Germans, like, fucking perfect, and I'm struggling to string a sentence together. <laughs> I love I love when you go to the grocery store and you just, like, point at chickens, still. Well, I didn't cry this week, so that's always a plus. I just take the way the... the they just you have the young it's and it's a generational thing too because you have the older people who are like rolling your eye their eyes and then you have like the younger people who are working you're like yeah i'll help you like why does this have to be a thing every week you know why do i have to cry every week at the grocery store well that's something for my therapist um (laughs) i want to point out in the Queen of Nothing, that when Jude is dressed as Taryn and she's at the inquest, Cardin immediately knows that that is Jude. He knows it's not Taryn and he has like that, like look in his eye and the gleam in his eye and he, you know, puts a guess on or uh, compels her to, you know, tell the truth or whatever, knowing it's Jude and that, you know, it's all bullshit. And he's like, oh, I must inspect you all over. Come to my chambers. I love all of their reunions throughout the whole thing. Like you have that and him, like him knowing it's her, him always like, even if it's between her and Taryn, he, he only knows her because even with the earrings, she's the most beautiful person in the whole world to him. And I think that's so fucking cute. And then like, 
which is pretending to be Taryn when I love the part where he like some the bomb thinks she's trying Judas trying to attack Cardin and Cardin is like calm the fuck down everyone this is my queen and I love that and she's like about to pass out and everyone's just gasping what queen mortal queen Ah, they have no idea finally realizing her outburst prior to her being quote-unquote exiled wasn't an like an illegitimate outburst she really was queen then she's in a coma and then he she come oh and then when she's fluttering through coming in and out of like her consciousness he's sitting by her bed like washing the blood off of her hands but she's just in and out of it um and then when they reunite again First, she slaps him and all that stuff. But then he's like, he's just trying to dismiss everybody. And he goes, leave us. I tire of the lot of you because <laughs> I would love to say that shit. Like, just leave me alone. Um, And then once they're fighting and this part of the reunion, he goes, she's like, perhaps you'd like to hear me scream because they're trying to, like, fix her and heal her. And he goes, I would. And perhaps one day I will. And I love it because, you know, it's because they haven't had sex yet. And I'm just so hyped for them. And then, of course, we have to mention Cardin being like, Jude, didn't you get my letters? The letters. And everything that goes with the letters. She's like, well, what was in them? And he's like, you know, pleading, indiscreet promises. And then, of course, the letters are in the back of, I think, the Barnes & Noble exclusive. Yeah, I think so. But you can read them online if you just Google, like, Cardin letters. They pop up. They're (laughs) so good. And I... I was trying to think. I love the letters. I'm trying to think, like, which which quote was your favorite? Because the there's a letters? couple for me. Yeah. Uh, come be angry at a nearer distance. Right. I love that one. And I love come home, shout at me, come home and fight with me. Come home and break my heart if you must. Just come Just home. Just come home. <laughs> They're so I love it. I love, I love the letters. And I, justice for the letters, because Asha should not have taken them, destroyed them. Jude doesn't know what they say. Jude had no idea. Jude didn't realize this whole time she could have been home earlier. All she wanted to do was go back to Elfheim. Um, And she even, she even said in the beginning, she goes, maybe he, he wasn't, realizing his choice of words and she goes or maybe he did and then when she finds out that he did intend it she goes oh oh he did it intend he 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 purposely phrased it the way he did understanding the loophole but she didn't know that and i have i have a note here i'm trying to find it but it it was basically that she was depressed afterwards and she mm-hmm. felt so humiliated and the kind of the theme in this book is Jude dealing with the feeling of shame and how she's like ashamed of being a human. She's ashamed of loving Cardin. She's ashamed of wanting to be queen. She's so it's like her working past all of the shame. And, and she says, like, I stopped trying to find a way back to fairy because I was embarrassed and hurt by everything that happened. And she kind of like berates herself a little bit for that. But um, I really love the image of Cardin storming into the mortal world and just like banging on Vivi's door, um, being like, where the fuck is Jude pretty much after Jude gets kidnapped 
Right. Because Maddox thinks that she's tearing and gets taken to the war camp. Uh, I love that image because I have to imagine he's in like all his fine, like king outfit, right? He gets over there. He's banging on the door. And Vivi says like, uh, the king of Elfane was there and he looked murderous and he was just screaming where you were. And then they had to go get Grima Mog. He just got Jude back trying to explain like what has happened. And she goes, what are you talking about? And. Now he's like, well, where the hell is my wife? Because he doesn't know who took him. And you and you later find out when she's at the war camp that Maddox is like, I was not expecting him to put up such a fight, Taryn. And he doesn't he doesn't even connect the two that Cardin would not have fought like that for Taryn no. at all. But he goes, oh, but I really like this because now I have an understanding of where his strength lies as as a as competition, which I understand from a you know from a general standpoint, I guess from a war standpoint, I understand where Maddox coming from. Um, but to go back to what you were saying, the overarching theme is Jude uh, accepting herself more or less and trying to overcome that shame. I you you hear her say it time and time again between the reunion um, between her and Cardin because she says like I hate. I hate that he saw me at my most vulnerable and bleeding. And then she goes, I hate the idea of my emotions getting to me because they make me weak. And it's just very interesting to she wants to acknowledge the feelings that she has. But at the same time, acknowledging any emotion, I I, I just feel it's really relatable. I feel like it's very relatable for a lot of people not just in fairy but whatever you're going through the second you become vulnerable you just think shit and also Cardin doesn't have this problem right like he he tells jude in clear fairy not even fairy terms just like clear terms like i love you i don't know if you realize it or not but like my heart i like i haven't yours yeah, he's like, I haven't made myself easy to love, which is the theme of um, the the novella, pretty much. He's like, you know, my heart is like a withered, scabrous thing, but it's yours. It's all yours. I just want you to know in case you didn't. And I think it's very relatable for Jude just to like stand there shocked and silent and not say it back. <laughs> she didn't know. And even when she's back in Alfheim... Prior to him saying that, she even says, like, look, marriage to me is an alliance. It's nothing more. Go, poor Jude. She, she really doesn't know. So even with Cardin's, you know, yay that Cardin spelled it out for her. But, and then when she's finally, finally processing her feelings and realizing it's, it's not that she isn't processing. She knows the feelings are there, but she just doesn't want to connect the word love to it, I think, at this point. But then he turns to a snake and she just has that on repeat over and over again. And when he is in that serpent form, nobody control can control him, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then you find out that the only person that the serpent can kind of recognize or have like this soul to soul energy connection, even if the serpent doesn't realize it's Jude, is her. He'll only be calm around her. And also... um, Cardin's tail. We haven't really talked about, I mean, we have talked about Cardin's tail, but like Card- Cardin's tail in um, the novella 
is mm-hmm. is spelled out really clear. It lashes back and forth when he's nervous. And um, even when he is trying his very best, his tail gives him away. So that's why he like tucks it, you know, he like tucks it away. Um, and then the scene that you, you're referencing when Cardin, when Jude slaps Cardin in the garden, she says that um, his eyes went molten with something that wasn't fear. It was like, yeah, no, he's totally into that. But well, yeah, because then later she goes, I kick him and he kisses me again, but harder. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He, he's, you know, he's into it. It reminds me of Caven's video where she does the dagger, the dagger play. And I go, this is totally Judith Carden. She goes, do it again, do it again. It's great. It's great. And it's also, we've had this conversation outside of the podcast, but Carden's growth is, is, is really sweet because he was neglected, completely neglected as a child. Uh, and then his, his brothers tricked him with, uh, killing Van Moren's mortal lover with the arrow and then nobody wanted him and nobody believed him. So then he had to go to Balkin who abused him very badly. And then um, his, his tail was like tucked away because it gave him away. And then when Jude comes back to fairy as Terrence, she's like, Oh, the tail's out. He must be comfortable. It's like, yeah, bro, he is the king now. And I love that it continues to transition into the novella because when he goes out to Aslog and he goes to kill her so Jude doesn't, um, he's like, I am the king. I mean, not only am I the king, I raise these islands. The ground accepts me as the true king. And we can we'll circle back to that as how... Uh, Jude is accepted as the true queen of Alfheim. And I think him accepting himself is just, that's such a huge growth. And even telling his story, you, and she goes, Oh, that's not how the story goes. And he goes, mm, but don't you say stories change? And he, you know, he's recognizing his own growth through this retelling of, you know what? I might have a, like, I might have a heart of stone, but like, I have my monster queen and we're perfect for each other. Ah. Oh. Jude with the hospitality of knives is is just one of my favorite lines. Uh, so, yeah, let's talk about Jude. Let's talk about Matic not being able to turn off his instincts when it comes to, like, fighting and, like, war and stuff. And the battle that Jude has with him where I, I know I thought I was like, he's 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 not going to, like, kill her. He, he's not going to kill her. Like, he's her. You like, think fox. he's going to stop at that? Yeah. He'll, he'll check his blow. He'll check his blow. He fucking does not check his blow. And he, like, basically guts her. Right? And he. And he says he's surprised in himself, too. Right. He just can't. You know, you can't. These people. I say people. They're not human. So they don't have the same instincts as we do so like he is he was born on the battlefield they say that you know over and over again like Maddox was born on the battlefield literally he has this glee when it comes to violence and blood and battle so he didn't stop his killing blow he guts Jude but then he's like you're dying let me take you back to camp like the the healers are there (laughs) yeah yeah and and everyone else you know Taryn and Vivi and Grima Mog are just like you know get fucked Get fucked. We're, we'll we'll deal with it. And then Jude, the, the, I, I love this. Jude is like, you need, you need to stitch me up. Like, pack my wound pack. full mm-hmm. of like earth and leaves. And I, I like this is the only time I like Taryn. Taryn's like, you're gonna get like this wicked infection. Like, why? Why do this? 
And she didn't, and you know what? She didn't even know if this was going to work. She goes, it worked for Cardin. I know it's different from Cardin because he has been accepted as the true king of Alfheim. But let's just try it because at this point, I'm, it's either I die bleeding out or I die from the infection, but it will prolong at least if I'm packed and sutured up, we can at least get me to where I need to go, which is still the point of the packing. And then when they do that, and then when the flowers come through the snow after where her blood had been, I go, oh, she's accepted. And Taryn's just like an airhead all, I don't understand. I'm so confused. And Vivi's like, she's fucking queen. I also like how Vivi is kind of looking around, being like, there is some weird shit happening. <laughs> Are you okay? Jude's, yeah, why? Well, I, I mean, it, it hurts, but not as bad anymore. It's, it's so, it's so good. I just, I, I love all of that. And of course, Jude uses her power to heal the ghost later on. She's like, I am the queen. I command you to wake. And that is her kind of acceptance moment right there. Uh, which is important because she was struggling the whole time. Like after Cardin was turned into a snake, Jude has a a breakdown. She she goes into the room with Grima Mog and she's in shock and she has a complete and utter breakdown. She's like, oh, my God, Cardin is gone. I can't do this on my own. I never realized what it was really like. And then she says how. Uh, you know, looking at Cardin on the throne and then looking at Eldred on the th- on the throne, they're always with and this this has been used a lot in like teen comedies, dramas and like shows and stuff. But like you can be completely alone, surrounded by a group of people. And then Jude's like, I, I'm completely alone. I have all these servants. Everything I do, every moment is accounted for. But I have no one. And she doesn't in that point because she she never really she doesn't have that relationship with her sisters. She doesn't have that friendship with anybody probably outside of the the court of shadows. And even then it's strained because the the trust is not there right now. And is that I think that's the point where she appoints Grimma Mog to say, do you want to be like basically my second in command? And Grimma Mog's like, I you just fought me and I tried to kill you last week and Jude just says, story of my life, but I like you. Like, out of everybody, you're actually the most honest, which is which is saying something, but also saying that she can trust this person, you know, that everybody wants to kill me and you're the person that I trust most. And in that moment of the breakdown, I do respect Grandma Mog to just say, I know you're alone. I know you're breaking down, but you gotta buckle up because if you don't show face, this is going to be another thing that they're going to try to take away from you because... There's a lot of people going for that throne right now if Cardin isn't there and you cannot let that happen. And I and I respect that a lot. And I and I think you and I can both attest to seeing ourselves in Jude in that moment of breaking down, taking a deep breath and be like, got this. I can I need to push everything else aside because what's in what's ahead of us, like bigger picture that needs to come before myself. And I, I really like that moment for her. Heather says, Heather, I I don't care one way or another really about Heather. She's kind of whatever for me. But she she says something in the beginning of the book that really, I think, perfectly describes fairy. And it definitely describes how I think of fairy. She says it's like a beautifully shot horror movie. And and that is exactly how I picture Elfheim and fairyland. 
just like very vivid, but also horrible. And I like Jude says something like that at the end of the book when Cardin isn't a snake anymore and they're at the big banquet. And she says there's platters of meat being brought out and she doesn't recognize what it is. And then she takes a moment. She's like, oh, it's snake. The fairies are going to eat the snake to hopefully get some of that power. And she's like, some fairy ways will never not be horrifying. And that's coming from someone that has been raised there who is still kind of horrified by the folk. And I love that. I understand the reluctance. It's not just a snake. It's Cardin. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's a little like... A little cannibalistic. I, I I also really like that every time Grima Ma gives Jude some food, she's like, what is this? I don't really know what this is. And Grima Ma's like, don't, don't think about it. Just eat it. <laughs> I, I love that. Let's talk about Nikasia. Let's talk about the undersea. Okay. Because there's a, there's a really fantastic story in the novella about Nikasia and the undersea. And... I know, Jess, that you love mermaids, and that is Nikasia. So how how are we feeling about Nikasia? I don't. I love mermaids. However, I the more I am becoming familiar with fairy and fantasy, mermaids aren't as nice as people try to depict them as. They're very, or even, you know, even in Harry Potter, they're more, I don't know, I, I, they're more siren-like than mermaid. I, that's just kind of what I'm learning. Um, however, Nikasia, I just, she's a piece of shit person, <laughs> just in general. I was thinking that with, sh- I know, we know that there, you know, from the first three books, we know that she has a relationship with Locke. She has a relationship with Cardin. We know when they kidnapped and uh, Jude and the Wicked King, She's so wrapped up in her emotions for Cardin. She doesn't care about that. She doesn't care that Jude is kidnapped. She just wants to know, why does he like you more than me? Wah, wah, wah. In the novella, we come to find out uh, Cardin, Nikasia was like his first love in a way, you know? And it was this person who he didn't have to try to be around he was this, you know, he always says, like, I have this wicked tongue. I'm clever. I'm bratty. I'm like, a, you know, he's a trouble. He's a trouble starter. And he but she accepts him the way that she is. And they they work together like that works for them because they're friends first. They they're friends fall first. For, yeah. They're friends first. They fall for each other. It's that first love. The first person who's accepted him as him, because even up until that point, his family changed, like tra- wanted to change him. He went to live with Balkan. He needed to be reformed so he can go to all these stately political dinners and revels. So he was groomed to be a certain way. And here's this person who didn't like all the formality of the land. She just liked him. And we find out that she's bored of that. So what does she do? She fucks his best friend. And in in his fucking bed with his sheets, I was, I lost, uh, believe me, I was, I get worked up about this shit. Then I tried to, I had to coerce myself like off the ledge of like, yelling at Nikasia. Then I had to think, okay, this is this is fairy. Let's remember that it's not the same ideologies as 
humans. Um, and you know that because you hear the discussion of the rebels and the orgies and this and that, the other thing. However, and this applies to human world too. If that's your thing, go for it. But it's not everybody's thing. And clearly in that moment, that's not Cardin's thing either. You know, he wasn't like, oh, can I join? Like, let's make this a thing. Um, Locke, I'm not surprised. He's a shitty person to know he he's all about creating the story because he's bored. He's bored with his own life, which I don't want to say I get, but his dad's dead. His mom's dead. He has nobody in his estate. So he's just kind of going, you know, creating his own thing not caring who gets hurt in the process because even when he gets caught he goes oh it's not that big of a deal we're all friends here. we're all friends here no and Cardin no. was pissed Cardin he was, was pissed. So he pissed. beat his ass to the point that then as Locke is walking out he backhand sucker punches Cardin and Cardin's just and then Cardin goes after him and like the little bitch that Locke is he fucking ran the only thing relatable about that entire, t- like, 24 hours was I was the tree girl who was drunk dancing on the table. Because but you did knowing- not, but you didn't end the way that the tree girl ended, which is by being no. burnt alive by uh, Valerian, which is just a throwaway line. It's like, I hope right? my brother's not mad. Uh, I think one I of your, a girl. I, yeah, like I murdered one of the guests. And like, how the about fuck? The, yeah, I try and, <laughs> Maybe it just, yes, she was killed, but I feel like the morbidity was taken away by saying she was like, sap was pouring out as opposed to blood. Well, yeah. She didn't laugh, but I'm like, I really like maple syrup, so. Something that I really related to in this whole situation was that after Locke and Cardin have their fist fight, after Nikasia is gone, after the party's gone, Cardin is just like, well, fuck. And goes on like a three or four day bender. And I, and I love that because he was never actually completely sober the first time. And then he says like, I'm just, I'm drinking and there's like, like powders are being pressed into his mouth. And then, and then we get, we get the story of him riding his horse through the lessons, which was just mentioned briefly in the other books. But now, we he's like you know what fuck these kids i'm gonna show them that you know i'm still here and that it's fine you know whatever he gets on the horse and he's like like too drunk and and the door i love the door right the talking door he's like you really shouldn't go out like that he's like whatever and he like kind of falls off his horse and he rides through the lessons i love it i like the part where the where where carden tells I don't remember who he tells the help, quote unquote. I don't know. But he goes, I'm the prince. And then you find out that Jude's like, you're a prince. Like, calm the fuck down. And I just, I love those little throwaway lines that he, he's the guy. Like, their relationship is very much, you have the guy with the big ego. And then you have the girl who knocks him down a couple pegs. I love that. I, that's very my dynamic when, like, I don't flirt. I just, shit on you you, ro- you roast <laughs> i roast people and and people who are the, the types who they know they're attractive they don't know how to handle somebody being that confrontational about it i 
could still think that they're the most attractive person in the world. I'm not going to let myself go there. Like, oh, so you are a piece of shit. They'd be like, what? what? Why are you calling me? <laughs> Fuck you. So, Nikasia, and we're, circ- we're, oh. we're like going back and forth about Nikasia, yeah. but uh, Nikasia, after all of this, so she gets dumped by Locke, obviously, because Locke is doing this thing with Jude and Taryn. <sighs> I love that part where she, where he's just casually reading and she just. What is he reading? He's reading Alice in Wonderland. He's reading Alice. He has a taste for mortal books. Mm-hmm. Just, that is also so cute. Well, let's talk about the connection with the book. Yeah. That the book isn't just like he got it. He got it from his sister who got it from Jude's sister. Yeah. Who got it from. So I love the connection there because. And then when you find out from book one that Jude goes, oh, she doesn't, she doesn't even know it's their copy. She goes, oh, he has a book from our world. That's weird. Not even realizing it's, it's her book. It's Being her like, family's book. Like my mom used to read this to us. And that was her, the book her it mom there, read. I yeah. just, it was very full circle in that moment. Um, but I like when one, when Balkan's like, let wait till her lover gets bored of her then she'll be coming back i mean even though he was coming he was approaching it from a political standpoint i really appreciated that she did come back and she was just like oh like please let's make it work it was just like a dalliance or whatever and he goes he dumped your ass didn't he she's like hear me out he goes no but he dumped you but Let's continue. And I love that she couldn't deny it, that he did dump her. I also really like, and this is a little bit earlier, but in the novella, uh, Nikasia's like, let's go to the undersea. Let, let's go. And Cardin's like, yeah, like I could rule as your concert, consort in the undersea. And she puts a spell on him and then they go and he, and he like freaks out. He, he can't, he can't do it. Like the, she, like, Obviously, this is Nikasia's like natural state. So she's flourishing, you know, whatever. But Cardin just feels the oppression of the water. And, you know, he, he's like, I can't, I couldn't drink because the, 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 you know, liquid, whatever. He couldn't even talk. Like, yeah. it was basically just, you know, like, you know, when, um, not necessarily scuba diving, but when people do those like water underwater bicycles or something mm-hmm. with this, the globe on their head, that's how I imagined it, like an air bubble or, you know, in Harry Potter where he had that thing over his mouth for an hour, just um, just swimming through. And when they resurface, she's like, oh, you'll get used to it. But isn't it the most beautiful thing you've ever seen? And they're fairies, so he can't lie. He goes, it's something else. Let, yeah. let me tell you. <laughs> It's really something. <laughs> it's yeah, it's really good. It, I also really like the descriptions of Orla and Nikasia and their clothes. I know it's like a weird detail to like, but like uh, Orla has a big like whale jawbone like around her, and Nikasia has corsets of fish bones, and, like, or she has the shark skin coral. leather. Yeah, I loved I loved the coral, the starfish. I mean, that's very much. Like, I love all things mermaidy, seashelly, which is also really funny considering, yeah, I grew up in Florida, but here I am in New York thriving more than I ever would as a mermaid. But don't ask me to be a mermaid in the Hudson. Like, that's fucking gross. It's <laughs> disgusting. Something that I just remembered is, you know, mermaids have always kind of been 
a little sketchy because if you think mm-hmm. about the animated Peter Pan, they do try yes. to drown Wendy. Yeah, they're very catty. Yeah. So, I don't know. We think of Ariel, but... Yeah, mm. I feel like that's you naturally think of Ariel because that's just how prominent it is. But I love... We're going off course for a second. But I love when you see different fan theories, like Disney fan theories, where Ariel's mom, when she was younger, was one of the mermaids in Peter Pan. Yeah. I need I need someone to confirm all of that. That would be really fantastic. Um, I One of my favorite scenes that isn't given enough credit, I don't think, is when Jude is ambushed by Randolin. The uh, the like master of keys. Uh, he that, is that the one who goes. I would suggest you step down as queen. Like when all that shit's yeah, this happening. This is that scene. This is that <sighs> scene. So when he ambushes her, and um, you know she Jew goes out to the guard. She's like, "Who the fuck let him in here?" And like, uh, Fan is there, and she's like, "You know, you need your own guard." And she's like, "You have the job now." But Randolin's in there and he's like, you know, this is bad for fairy. You're a mortal queen, you know, blaje, blaje. And then he's, he's in the midst of like telling off Jude. And then the door opens and, and Randolin's like, I didn't send for you. And Carden's like, you didn't now. The fuck? The fuck you talking to? And then Randall's like, oh no, shit. And then Carden's like, Jude, would you excuse us? I need to have a word with Randolin. So hot. And- so hot. That whole set, that whole exchange. But like, we don't know what he said to Randolin. And I am desperate to know what he said because Randolin runs out yeah. of that room. Doesn't even bat an eye at Jude. And you know that Carden came out of there breathing at how pissed he was. And I, I really want to know that exchange, but he was also so smug knowing he basically had Randall and shit himself. Yeah. It was just, it was just really good. I, I just, I just love Carden. So let's talk about the only spicy scene that we have in this book, which is their sexy time. I wouldn't, and maybe it's just where we are at life. I, with the reread, I, th- I was excited for them the first time. And even the second time, I didn't consider it spicy. I thought it was a sweet, vulnerable moment for both of mm-hmm. them. And I maybe it's an unpopular opinion. I don't know. We've ha- never really had the conversation. Um, just because the scene has sex doesn't mean it has spice. And not in like this vanilla way. But like you said, this is a very sweet moment. They're both vulnerable with each other. He's emotionally laid it out on there. They've obviously haven't consummated their their marriage. And she's trying to have like an even playing field to show that she's she's all in also. I think it's really important because, correct me if I'm wrong, but right before Jude and Cardin had the sexy sexy, they are at the big banquet with all of their allies and stuff. And Jude is in the armored dress, mm-hmm. right? So it's very symbolic that uh, they that they go and they have their sexy time, and Jude feels very vulnerable. And then at the end of that, um, she's talking about, you know, like how do people like us take off our armor, oh. like, well, one one piece at a time? I thought that was a really nice because they're. I, I really liked that line, or really just the exchange with each other because of that moment. Um, they're both vulnerable. They're both acknowledging that they have trauma in their own personal lives 
as well as with each other, because they have such a strained history together. And I think it was just a really important moment that they both acknowledged, but they also acknowledged that they wanted to grow together from that, that it is more than what they have together. And I think it's, I really do like their relationship. And I think it helps that uh, we've discussed in the previous episode regarding folk of the air, but haven't revisited it now. Cardin isn't this 500 year old fey male. This is a very, I don't want to say high school relationship, but this is a very young relationship and they're both still coming into their own and they're doing it together as well as doing it separately and kind of finagling how this world is going to continue to work for both of them. There is, I think, personally, a little bit of spice in this exchange because Jude feels out of control with all of her like desire or whatever for Cardin. So she goes in the back, strips naked, comes out oh, yeah. and gets and gets on her knees. And she's like, when you My pictured girl. me, she, yeah, she's like, when you pictured me, is this how you pictured? And, and Cardin's like really uncomfortable. And he's like, because <laughs> he did. Uh, he did. He did. <laughs> he, he can't lie about it. Um, and he's like, you know, I, I wouldn't be opposed to like a little like groveling, <laughs> which let's talk brings it back to the first book when he wanted her to like be on her knees, kiss his shoes, kiss his boot, blah, blah, blah. Like, I do like I, I like them. I like them together. They're so good for each other. All about it. All about it. And then I'm pretty sure it's here where he says, you know, how the basically like how the tables have turned. Now it's now it's uh, I who would beg and and like grovel for a kind word from you. Mm-hmm. And then um, I'm pretty sure that's when he calls her uh, his sweet nemesis. And of course, the fantastic line like by you, I am forever undone. Like how how quotable is Mr. Cardin Greenbrier? Like, holy crap. Some of these like the, the quotes that he does that he does have out there. Those are the ones where, you know, whether you're an enemies to lover person or a slow burn person or friends to lover, whatever your preference is in regards to romance, his one liners, it's hard to deny that you wouldn't want to hear any of that from somebody you're into. For real. And and we know, we know that Cardin has done other things throughout this entire series starting from the cool prince and like you know even into the to the novella he's done these other things for jude to kind of show his love for her that she didn't know about so in the novella he goes to to fight aslog so that she wouldn't have to uh he in the beginning of the series he sends her the coronation dress um, Nikasia is telling Jude, like, he sent you a gown. And of course, Jude had no idea. And she says, like, it was the most beautiful gown she's ever seen. And it complimented her so well. Big gestures and little gestures, too. Right. And things that Jude doesn't know about. Like, she doesn't know that Cardin frequently would steal servants, the human servants, out of Bilkin's, um, out of Hollow Hall and, and free them in the mortal world because it, I mean, for a lot of reasons, but mainly because ensorcelled humans was so like fucking weird to him because he was in love with Jude and he couldn't ever picture her being like that or somebody doing that to her. Exactly. And also just like a throw out kind of thing out there. As I was rereading all of this, the Milkwood is on fire 
a lot. <laughs> like it, like Harden sets it on fire. It was on fire when he was a snake. I think like Locke set it on fire one time. Like this, this poor forest is always <laughs> on fire. I I will say that I didn't look at the map really the first read, um, but as I've grown accustomed to uh, Throat of Glass, the whole series, understanding the map now. And seeing where Hallow Hall is compared to where they're their neighbors. They have literally a forest, a tiny little forest that splits between them. So now knowing the back and forth of each other, they've basically been like the girl next door this whole time without her knowing. Mm-hmm. And he would yeah. say even like in little throwaways in the novella of the the Duarte twins or or Valerian would say like, oh, is it, which one do I like? Is it that, is it the one or the other one? And you knew right away, which one, which one Cardin was into. Um, and, and I love, the, I love the little things. And even, um, I think in regards to gestures, um, where Taryn turns to Jude and she goes, you know, he's asking all this stuff to impress you. Like he wants to know more about you, whether it was like the gummies, I think it was they were talking. Gum- yeah. Gummies and slushies. And, like how sweet. And, and even when in the novella where Oak gives up his bed, so they just have like a place to sleep together. And, you know, it's probably like this little twin. So he's just happy that they're, you know, she's saying like, oh, you probably miss your, your giant, palace and this huge bed and you're stuck in this twin with me and he just wants to be so close to her that he loves that they're like sharing this twin bed together so he there is no option he gets to like snuggle up with her and he even says he goes well the palace that that's not me he's never he's always wanted to get away from the palace because of all the trauma that it associate that he associates it with and in that regard with their dynamic it's all she wants is to be accepted by Alfame and the folk and he wants nothing more if he can just get rid of it and walk away although he is still coming into his own there's something that i noticed when i was reading this novella and it's when they're sleeping in the twin bed and it's it's just a throwaway it's it's cardin stroking the light fur on jude's cheek I, I remember, but I, I thought it was interesting that they made it a point, not just her cheek, but her, the hair on her cheek or something. Right. And I, I, of course, I don't know exactly why Holly did it that way, but I think it was an interesting way of kind of showing from Cardin's perspective that Jude is like this wild and different kind of like I'm going to say species but I don't mean it in like a derogatory way like she's this this wild thing that uh like came into his life and and he's different because he has a tail and he has you know pointed ears and stuff but she also has her own unique characteristics like she has light fur on her face and her ears are round and he focuses on those things and he loves those things just but it's it's just they're dissimilar because those are things that she focuses on him. Like she always talks about the ears mm-hmm. or he'll have the, the, your jewelry just like, uh, Orla. No, Oriana. Mm-hmm. Oh, shout out to Ink Faye on Instagram and TikTok. She, um, posted one of those Marge Simpson 
uh, TikToks about, you know, it'll be good for the economy. And she <laughs> bought um, elf ears. Oh, like actual elf ears or the ear jewelry that you had been the, the ear jewelry. Oh, that's so the pretty. The ear jewelry. I- They're really, really pretty. She got them on Amazon and uh, she posted a picture in them and they are fantastic. And of course, that is directly related to this because Cardin wears gold tips on his ears and Oriana wears them too. And Jude really wants them as well. So it's just, it's great. It's great. Just a little shout out. I love that they exist, that it's not yeah. just this thing that Holly wrote into the book. Like this jewelry truly exists uh, for those of us who aren't they. <laughs> for real. Um, we haven't touched about the the prophecy at all, which is... Such a crappy thing to have hanging over your head your whole life, knowing that this prophecy is out there and that, you know, Cardin would uh, like destroy the throne and only out of his uh, blood could a great ruler rise. Like, well, technically, now that we we've read Queen of Nothing, prophecies are all about how they're interpreted and who's interpreting it because you learn in the novella he even says if he when he goes to the undersea with nikasia he goes well maybe this is the prophecy maybe i am considered terrible to elfheim but i'm a hero under the water so maybe Mm -hmm. that's the prophecy that i don't know about yet and now you find that he was a serpent the throne did break Technically, the throne did break. Matic broke it. And by that, a great ruler, what was it again? Only through his spilt blood could a great ruler rise. Because Matic is the one through Grimson's sword, and Grimson is just a gross asshole. But through the plunging of the sword by Matic into the, the ground in the breck, it split the throne and broke the throne. Cardin is just the king that happened to be on it. It could have been anybody. Right. But, you know, it it, kind of goes into that whole thing about the more you try to avoid a prophecy or like fate is the more you're actually like walking into it. Um, Like Final Destination? Oh, God. Yeah. Like Final Destination. (laughs) Um, I, I just think it, it's, it's really interesting. Like, it could have been anybody. It just so happened to be Cardin, and it just happened to be Matic and and everything. But uh, something that I want to point out is after Cardin is no longer a snake, after Jew goes through her whole transformation and accepts herself as queen, um, Cardin n- uses the power of the land to make two thrones. And then he looks over at Jude, and he's like, do you like it? And I, I wrote down what she said. And she goes, um, he asked me if I liked it. And it was like someone asking if you enjoy the crown of stars that they've conjured from the sky. Being like, yeah, of course I <laughs> like it. Are you nuts? Like, God. <laughs> I really appreciate his gestures. Yeah. Because, you know, he's trying. He's just, it's not this alliance. It's not this marriage of convenience he loves her he also takes the time to you know know heather and personally invite heather to the um to the dinner he's like you know last time you were here we were poor hosts but it'll be better this time he does try to make an effort to show jude how much he cares for her you know throughout the whole book which is just really lovely. 
We haven't talked about the cord of teeth at all. And let me just tell you, I am terrified of the cord of teeth. First of all, fantastic name. Such a good fairy name, the cord of teeth. But that fucking bridle sets my skin on edge. The bridle that they put on. Surin. Oh, my gosh. And the straps like dig into your skin. And actually just Surin in... In the whole book, after they they extract the bridle from her, they stitched oh. the crown into her head. It, and then she has a, a leash, like, through her wrist. It's just, it's really horrifying. And and I also, like, if we're talking about the bridle, um, Jude having this whole kind of internal, um, like, monologue with herself being like, you know, the bridle's a really good deal. I could have Cardin with me forever i would never be alone he would be bound to me and also a symbol of the power and you know if the land because if the land is poisoned then we'll go down together pretty much and then she realizes that Cardin would hate to be trapped like that and she she starts thinking about how unfair it is and you know he earned the people of Elfheim, he earned their respect. They pledged to him without... Yeah, he pledged his, their fealty to him when mm-hmm. Maddox was trying to take the throne. And he goes, you know what? I'm not here to be a dictator. I might be king, but like, let's leave it up to the people. You know, and even though that's kind of how Maddox said, like, oh, you're trying to be this dictator, blah, blah, blah. Let the people choose. If they don't have to choose you. And it bit him in the ass because... They, they wanted him. Things were great. I don't want to say that they were perfect, but I think the people also saw that he stopped, that Cardin stopped putting up a front and he truly was trying. And I think they saw that at the end of Wicked King when he was raising the islands and they were like, look, if the earth accepts him as true king, why wouldn't we? Taryn and the ghost. <laughs> I need, I don't need any more about that potential relationship, but I do like that Taryn and the ghost like kind of have a thing. I don't know why. Why do I feel like I didn't pick up on that? It's because it because it's like it's like two lines. It's Taryn being familiar with the ghost when he was in the Oubliette and she knew his true name because because the ghost would come to Lox's estate all the time. And, you know, they are familiar there. And then at the very end, after Jude has uh, sentenced Maddox to actually no before she sentenced Maddox to never pick up a weapon and live his life in the mortal world, which I need that novella. <laughs> I, I would love that. Tried pizza. Oh my god! It's just I just I just want that him trying to like navigate it. Um, but when Cardin gives out the masks and two of them, we know it's the roach and the bomb hold hands. And kind of walk away. And then the bomb and the roach hold hands and walk away. And then the ghost turns back and is like looking at Taryn and like Taryn's looking at him. And there's like a there's like a connection there. And it's important to note that uh, Jude thinks throughout the series that the ghost is like relatively handsome. He's got like sandy hair and his ears aren't like super pointed or whatever. Meanwhile, the roach has like that twisted, twisty nose and stuff. So like. Just, just a little interesting, like, throwaway line that people don't, like, pick up on a lot, but that I especially noticed during this reread. Okay, so we're at the end of Queen of Nothing, which ends with the fantastic line 
Um, but I also really love that like Carden walks with Oak to the pizza place and they get all the pizzas. And Jude is so worried that Carden is just going to shit on everything. And he doesn't. He takes it all in. And it's just really great. And then um, they make it back to Vivi's apartment and Heather is there and they meet Heather for, you know, the second time, I guess. And they have a like an ice cream cake with gummy snakes on it, which is so cute. <laughs> and you have a really good um, fan art from, I know you purchased it from A Touch of Magic Design of, it was like happy anniversary or welcome for Jude and Carden. And they're just eating pizza. It's a really cute fan art. We should post it. And and the line is like, um, it's like to f- I, I don't remember exactly, but it's like family and and fairyland and like scheming great schemes is how it scheming ends. Scheming great it's just, schemes, I it's love like, yes, that. Scheming great schemes. Oh, it's wonderful. We love it. We love it. Um, I I love this series. So instead of going like all the way through the novella, because I know we've touched on a few things, let's just throw it back and let's do like top three moments of the novella. What do you think? I'm trying to think because I still feel like it's really fresh, but I can't think of them. You go first because I I, I need a refresher. Aside from, I really do enjoy the gas station. I think that's really sweet. I Again, like I think of him having this, this regal, you know, he was dressed as this emo kid in this regal tone of, might you have some means by which I could navigate your lands? It's just very, he is on a quest. <laughs> it's really cute. Um, okay. So you said me go first. Um, in no particular order, this is in no order. The gas station, obviously. I also like his line was like, I'm not going to glamour leaves. I'm the king. I'm going to give you gold. And the like, guy oh. doesn't even know he has more money in his hand yeah. for the gold than if he would have had the money. I also like that the gas station attendant was like hawking his own self-published book about like the the like weird and crazy hotspots around it's like, like Maine. It's like a weird New Jersey or it's, it was yeah. weird Portland. <laughs> it's like, I love it. I love it. So that... I love when um, Cardin and Jude and everybody are watching Knives Out. Also great. And Cardin's like, he understands everything and nothing. <laughs> I just love that. He's like, and the nurse is really pretty and like gets gets all the things. This is great. And then I like when they are eating dumplings and like bubble tea. Oh, how about when Oak looks like he goes, looks at him when he tried to eat half the dumpling? They're like, what yeah, are you doing? You that's do not that. how, that's gross. You eat the whole thing. Don't put it back. That is really interesting because I don't know if other people have picked up on this, but when they describe the food in Fairyland, uh, it, it's always like little things and like very like paper thin slices of meat and like olives and cheese and like duck eggs and stuff. And Jude has a very throwaway line where she's like, there was enough food at this feast where even a human like me could eat their fill. So I feel like skinny. Yeah. I feel like the Fae just don't eat a lot. So Cardin taking half bites of things makes total sense in that, um, kind of worldview i wrote down a line and i i don't want to say it's my favorite line from the novella but i do think that it helps understand him a little bit more because your heart breaks for 
for Cardin when you know more of his history. And it said that hate that was so, oh, because I think he was being beaten at this time. Hate that was so bright and hot that it was the first thing that truly warmed him. Hate that felt so good that he welcomed being consumed by it. Not a heart of stone, but a heart of fire. And I, it's just one, it's telling of like, he really is taking Aslog's stories to heart with the lessons but two that he, it was almost his moment he this whole time he thought he had a heart of stone so the fact that he felt anything even though it was pain and it was hurt i thought it's just like you feel bad for him and you understand him a little bit more as to how and why he is the way he is and the way he loves and he's learning and he's growing. And again, we could go back to, you know, and maybe I really do like the Aslog part of like his story that he's telling her because it was just, it felt very full circle of who he was and who he is, which is a general theme that we discuss and what I love about YA and fantasy is that acceptance. I think it's a very special moment. It is a really special moment. Um, we we love him. I love we, him we more love, now. Yeah. I definitely. It, I'm yeah. just like I. I think it helped being immersed in different fan, like not fandoms, but seeing the different fan art and the content that's out there. It's hard not to like him. And I don't want to say once you have that backstory. I mean, we've talked about like there is a level of toxicity with their relationship that doesn't mean it's acceptable, um, but it's interesting. You know, it's anybody who studies psychology is understanding why the person is the way that they are. And then you try to delve in it a little bit further of being in similar scenarios and how people cope with that and i think that's just being able to have a discussion about it is important too uh i pulled up the villains passage that i know i sent it to you oh i posted um, it on my yeah and you posted it i'm looking at it uh i love it so much yeah Villains were wonderful. They got to be cruel and selfish, to preen in front of mirrors and poisoned apples and trap girls on mountains of glass. They indulged all their worst impulses, revenged themselves for the least offense, and took every last thing that they wanted. And sure, they wound up in barrels studded with nails or dancing in iron shoes heated by fire, not just dead, but disgraced and screaming. But before they got what was coming to them, they got to be the fairest in all the land. I love that. I love that so much. I think that's my favorite like passage from this book as a whole. Easily. Easily. Yeah. Yeah. It's just it just kind of like sums up it, it just kind of sums up everything. It sums up like the villain like the villainy, but it's also everyone gets their like cup up come up and it's just it's just good. It's really good. Holly has a way with words that she can say a lot by saying very little. Um, and describe a lot by describing certain things as opposed to it's like a show not tell or a tell you, you know what I mean like it's just it's just great I love it I love her quite quite fabulous I want to end this episode with two shout outs the first one is to Sean Trenette C-H-O-T-R-O-N-E-T-T-E uh, that's at Sean Trenette and the website.com 
They make the most absolutely stunningly beautiful gowns that Jude would absolutely wear. There is, in fact, an armor gown that is kind of all over the uh, Folk of the Air Facebook page, which we are both a part of. And it's it's just wonderful and absolutely fantastic. So check them out. Um, I like waking up because usually they do like a good, I guess, I don't know where they're based because whenever I wake up, I, they've already posted and it must be middle of the day, wherever they are. Um, but I love our exchange back and forth where we'll say Jude would wear this. Taryn would wear this. I could see Vivian. We just start dressing. We just play dress up through memes now. It's so great. My second shout out is going to be at Candy Makeup Artist that is on TikTok. This account has the most beautiful, like enamel corsets. Never heard that, of that. Oh my god, it's they're stunning. You could absolutely see people in Elfheim wear it, like the High Court. I could see Taryn in it. I could see Jude in some of them. They're gorgeous. I mean, obviously, I don't know how they feel. I'm gonna assume pretty awful, but I mean, it's a corset. So check them out. Give them a look. Gorgeous stuff. Those are my shout outs. Yes. Feel free to check us out on Instagram, Acafe Podcast, A-C-O-F-A-E. Um, we're pretty active on there. Also, we have our TikToks, Acafe Jessica and Acafe Laura. So please feel free, feel free to check us out. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. Thanks. Bye.